When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. The all-new Toyota Highlander Hybrid is designed to go Highlander. What's go Highlander, you ask? It means amplifying your drive with best-in-class EPA-estimated 35 MPG combined so you can keep on keeping on wherever the road takes you. Don't just go farther. Go Highlander in the all-new Toyota Highlander Hybrid. Toyota, let's go places. 2020 Highlander Hybrid all-wheel drive, 35 city, 35 highway, 35 combined MPG EPA estimates. Actual mileage will vary. 2020 Highlander Hybrid versus 2020 competitors based on data at www.fueleconomy.gov as of 21820. This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com, hosted by me, Brendan. Corey is unavailable today, so I am taking this solo. He picked a great weekend to take off. Oh, I'm, ex- I'm exhausted, guys. Uh, you know, it's one of those series, again, the last two weeks in particular, Full of sweeps. This one more or less felt like a sweep, even though the Cubs lose the series only two games to three. But with the Cardinals playing and the Cubs just not showing up in the final two games of their set, here we are. We're talking about this team once again in a perplexed fashion, almost an exhaustive fashion for myself. Um, you know, how I'm feeling at this point, I'm beyond, you know, anger or being upset about decisions. I'm, I'm just disappointed and exhausted at, at this point. There's less than, what, four weeks in the season now to go. And as I'm recording this right now, the Cardinals, what are they? they? They just started their game. So the Cardinals win their game. They will be up four games on the Chicago Cubs. Again, the Cardinals playing two straight doubleheaders. 
They swept their first doubleheader on Saturday. They won the first game, uh, their second doubleheader on Sunday, and they are just playing their final game against the Cincinnati Reds on Sunday night. So here we are. Let's talk about these three games, mostly that first game and just some anecdotes in that last two games. And then we'll talk about the September call-ups, what the Cubs are intending to do with their bullpen with their position players, with Zobrist back, and amongst others coming back. So there is a lot to talk about, um, but let's just go ahead and rip into this uh, quick recap. Won't be too long here because I know you guys don't want to recap this. Uh, I don't want to recap this, but you know it does set the foundation upon what we're going to talk about here with the September call-ups. Okay, so in that first game of the Milwaukee series, the Cubs came out blasting in the first two innings of their first game. Castellanos hit two homers, one in the first inning, one in the second inning. Ian Happ batted lead off this game. He started this game with a double, of course, then Castellanos followed up with a home run. Cubs went up 2-0 in the first. The second inning, they scored another three. Jose Quintana knocked in David Bodie with an RBI double. And then Nick Castellanos absolutely obliterated an inside Chase Anderson fastball. Probably the best celebration post homer I've seen in quite some time. Maybe the the best one second to Castellanos bat slam may have been Javi Baez's like stare down in Colorado. If you remember that, one of those gifts uh, are probably one of my favorite gifts where he just blasts one in Coors Field and just stares down the pitcher. So Castellanos gave the Cubs a jolt. They went on to win that first game seven to one. Of note, Schwarber had another home run. His what was that? The the 32nd of the season for him. And once again, every homer here on out for Schwarber will be a new career high. David Bodie was in this game. He went two for two with two walks, contributed, played with a solid defense. And then uh what else here? Jonathan Lucroy was in the game with uh Russell at second base both of whom batted 6th and 7th respectively. Might be a discussion point later on, especially in that last game of the series. And that was it for the Cubs all weekend. That was the only offense that they would give their starting pitchers. Jose Quintana in that first game was not his best. Joe Madden said that was not the sharpest he's seen Q look recently. But with Q elevating those sinkers, getting more grounders, getting more weak contact, and just hammering the strike zone, that's kind of what you expect Q to produce even when he's not at his best. So he just fails to go under six innings, goes five and two-thirds innings, but only gives up, actually gave up zero runs. So another shutout for Q in under six innings. Pretty good, I thought, despite not having his best stuff. Cubs pitchers all weekend long were pretty good. The second start of the series, Cole Hamels goes six innings, gives up two runs, not his best again, but you know kept the Cubs in the game, the offense, of course, shut out in that context. They lose two to nothing. And then on Sunday, you Darvish scratched from his start. Apparently, he's been dealing with forearm t- uh, tightness for the past month or so, as he was discussing to the media. So not good to hear that about you. He did say that he'll be back hopefully on Saturday. The Cubs don't expect him to miss any more time. This uh, scratch was more or less precautionary as we're told. But look, I mean, forearms are scary. You never know when they're going to bark back up again. And with Yu Darvish's arm injury history, the latest of which was a stress reaction and that he got fixed in the offseason, of course, the Tommy John surgery several years ago. So any injury to Yu Darvish does kind of signal the panic button for me. But apparently he says he feels good enough. One week, that's all there is. 
And if there's any silver linings, maybe one week will be good for you upon this next stretch. And there were no injury signs in the past few weeks despite him dealing with that tightness, still throwing 95, 96, 97, incorporated that new knuckle curve as we talked about. So the signs were not there, at least in the data. So that could be a good thing. But Tyler Chatwood does take this spot start. He gives the Cubs, I think, kind of what you expect. He goes multiple innings, gives up only one run, gets removed just before the fourth inning, and then the Cubs take the rest of the reins. They only give up a few runs, all of them coming from Craig Cambrill in the ninth inning. He gives up three runs on a Christian Yelich three-run home run. But the rest of the crew looked pretty good that day. We have Brad Wick making his Chicago Cubs debut. Comes in, immediately strikes out the opposing batter. He looks nasty, guys. He's six foot nine, over 250 pounds, has a wicked release point, a great curveball. Fastball in the 93 to 95 mile per hour range. I thought he looked pretty good. Rowan Wick once again came on, looked good. David Phelps escaped a uh, mid inning jam, loaded the bases, but got out of it. So overall, the Cubs bullpen. Kept the Cubs in the game, but once again, that offense just did not look good. And they lose this one four to nothing. Other housekeeping notes in the series Anthony Rizzo did come back in that second game. He went two for four. I thought he looked pretty good at the dish, did not show any signs of lingering back pains. He was running the bases. He pinched hit late in that third game and got hit in the foot. Once again, ran the bases and stayed in for the remainder of that third game for about three. Actually, four innings. So good to see Rizzo back in that third game, though. Uh, Javi Baez slid into second base head first and stole the base, but came up with a thumb injury. Stayed in, uh, stayed in the game for a few more innings, but then was removed later in the game. He got x-rays on that thumb. They did come back negative, so he's going to take tomorrow's game off, which is Monday against the Seattle Mariners, and then hopefully he comes back on Tuesday, but that seems to be more of a, a wait-and-see type deal. Okay, um, man, guys, <laughs> I got I to say, there, there's so many directions to go after watching this Cubs team once again come out of the gates in, in that first game, blasting the baseball, and just going quiet the, the next two games. And it's a microcosm of the season, I feel like. With rosters expanded, though, we got to look beyond this current stretch. I, I know it's difficult. I know a lot of you guys are angry, frustrated, and I totally understand that. It's just we only have a few weeks left. And those frustrations, those sources of anger, we're going to talk about those in the offseason. I promise you. I promise you, Corey and I will be on here. We will more than likely be ripping this team if they continue to play this well. But let's go ahead and talk about the guys who got called up back from Iowa with rosters expanded, back from the injured list. And we have Daniel Descalso. Oh, okay, Daniel Descalso back off the injured list. Ben Zobrist back from his uh, lengthy absence. In return, David Bodie gets option for Ben Zobrist. Mark Zagunis is also DFA'd. And then we have Albert Almora, Taylor Davis, Robo Garcia, Alec Mills, Dwayne Underwood, and the aforementioned Brad Wick all recalled from Iowa and in the dugout for that Sunday game. That's six guys coming back just from being recalled. You add in Descaso, you add in Zobris. Now you have eight guys who were not with the team just one day ago who are now in that dugout. So the Cubs have a surplus, a surplus of positional player depth 
in addition to bullpen depth. So right now, as it stands, Alec Mills, Dwayne Underwood, and Brad Wick, three arms to that Cubs bullpen. And we saw Madden immediately in that Sunday game not take any chances, took a chat with before the fourth inning in the bullpen. They held up and looked pretty good. And Brad Wick might be another option Joel Madden uses against lefties. Again, Brad Wick had a K per nine, guys, of 18, 18 in AAA with the Padres and with the Cubs this year. Strikes out two guys per inning, essentially, and we saw him come in, strike out the first guy he faced immediately, so good to see there. The most important note of these September call-ups, of course, is Ben Zobrist. So Ben Zobrist met with the media for a lengthy time before Sunday's game, talked about everything, talked about why he went away, talked about his communication with the team, with the players, describing and communicating why he went away. Clubhouse, of course, welcomed him back. Good to see Zobrist in that dugout. There was a few clips of him joking around with trainer Tim Buss and Anthony Rizzo in the dugout. Good to see you there. He did say that his swing is not necessarily where he wants it to be. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing, though. He said throughout the season, he goes through those spells anyway. And Zobris coming back right now. Look, he's a guy who has the ability to turn it on and click at any moment's notice. With the Cubs' lack of a leadoff option, him getting chances, I think at this point, is more than welcomed. Some good quotes from Ben. He said, quote, it was a very easy decision to put family before baseball. That's where my heart was. My heart is here to play now, end quote, as he said. He did say he's a 100% type guy in that when he was not fully focused on baseball early on, he, he knew what he needed to do. He just said he does not regret taking the time away. It was good for his family. He's focused on his kid. He puts his family first. His, he said his faith first. And now... He feels at a point in this whole entire process in his life that now he can commit back to baseball for the September stretch. He also talked about retirement, did not say he was retiring, but did not give any type of vote of confidence that he would be back for the 2020 season. That that will be tabled aside after the season. He's not focused on that, nor, sh- uh, nor should he. So with Ben being back and Jason Hayward not playing well in a pretty bad slump recently, that leadoff spot becomes a center of attention once again. And with Jason Hayward not playing that well in the leadoff spot, it, it kind of already was. But with Daniel Descalso, I know you don't want to hear his name, but with Daniel Descalso back, Albert Almora back, Ian Happ still on the roster, Zobris back, and Hayward just, what is this now? An 0 for 21 stretch of not being productive. Uh, it does warrant a discussion, okay, who who's next in this merry-go-round of leadoff hitters? Madden did say he has no reservations about using Zobrist in the leadoff role. I have no reservations about using Zobrist in the leadoff role at this point. That it's, it's a black hole. Everyone who's been in there has not produced. Rizzo, the greatest leadoff hitter of all time, might be the, the most logical solution at this point. I hate, I hate saying that because you don't want to take his bat away from the middle of the order, but when no one's on base for Rizzo and for KB and Baez and Schwarber, it, it doesn't necessarily matter at that point. You want to get these guys on base, set the table for the big part of the order, and go on that way. The Cubs, of course, just have not been able to to do that the entire season. Now with Hayward, there is one particular trend that several people have noted, and the data does support, is he's being attacked up and in with fastballs. And you saw that all series 
against the Milwaukee Brewers, where he's just being absolutely blitzed in on the hands, and he cannot right now adapt beyond that. I'm sure he's well aware of it, but for this current time, he's not having success against those pitches. So at this point, I just don't think he should be playing at leadoff, maybe not even playing on an everyday basis until he gets beyond this particular adjustment. We have Ian App, who is producing pretty well this year, guys. I'm actually at a loss why he's not getting consistent playing time. Maybe because he's not getting consistent playing time. That's why his numbers are so good. But since being called up, 94 plate appearances. He has a 331 weighted on base average. Zone contact, the most important thing for Hap, is up from 70% last year to 80% this year, about league average. And his overall contact up from around 65% to now just above 71%. And that's a big adjustment. That has not really affected his power. We see the adjustments against the right-handed batters when he's at the left side part of the dish. I think he looks pretty good. But again, Madden seems to be playing the matchups optimally. What would happen with him in a more consistent role? Maybe the numbers do get worse. But Crazy to say, he has a better WRC plus than Jason Hayward on the year. Again, I know the sample size issues, whatever, right? But Hap, right now, at this current moment, is producing more runs than Jason Hayward. You got to get this guy in the lineup more. I, I don't know how that is going to be the case, just because the Cubs do have a crowded bench now, and second base seems even more crowded with Robo Garcia back up. By the way, David Bodie can only be back up in about 10 days since being optioned. But when Bodie does come back, you look at that second base role and you have Bodie, you have Russell, you have Descalso, you have Garcia. And then Hap, if you want to throw in that mix, that's five guys. You throw in Tony Kemp, all of a sudden, that's six guys vying for playing time in under 30 games left. Now, where Hap can get playing time is in the outfield. Maybe you play the matchups with Schwarber. I don't want to take Schwarber out of the lineup, but if you want to do anything to get happen, maybe you play the matchups. You put Schwarber on the bench, happen left field. You play Jason Hayward every now and then in center field, or my preference right now is you put Hap in center field. You keep Schwarber in left field. He's been on one recently. And then in right field, you put Castiano. So I, I like the feel of that lineup again. Right now, I'm not bashing Jason Award. I actually commend him for coming up strong this year, supporting the team, producing most of the year. It's just this this current stretch, he's just not producing right now. And giving Hap that opportunity, getting Schwarber in there on almost a daily basis. And Castellanos in right field, that outfield to me seems pretty well-rounded. And then during the late, late uh, portion of the games, you can mix and match. You put Almora in center field. You put uh, Hayward in right field. You take out Schwarber, and then you put uh, Castellanos in left field if you want to, or even Tony Kemp in left field if you want to. We did see that in that Mets series. Kemp played left field, start at uh, left field for the first time in his career. All right, to Reds up, one to nothing. So again, there's great news during the pandemic. The new Hypermax oxygen system is here. Doctor approved, clinically tested, at home oxygen for improved health, fitness, and especially your immunity. Go to hypermaxoxygen.com. See how 300% more oxygen purity works wonders in only 15 short minutes. You're home anyway, so why not build your immunity and much more? Hypermaxoxygen.com. That's hypermaxoxygen.com. 
Kaiser is off the chain. Everything is in one place for you. Your x-ray will be done there. The doctor will see you there. The labs are there for you. And then the nurses that work with you at Kaiser, they make you feel so at home. They're there to meet your needs. I would not be alive today if I had not had Kaiser permanently. I feel really, really great knowing there's a place that I can go to make sure that I can maintain good health on a regular basis. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, Middle Street, 2101, East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. I'm recording this on a Sunday night, so by all means, Monday morning, they could just get absolutely obliterated, and the Cubs could be four games back. But I'm going to be a little optimistic right now. Look, the Reds are up one nothing. If they lose this game, the Cardinals, then the Cubs will only be three games back, not four games back. I do want to talk about overall feelings of where we are in the season right now. My overwhelming emotion is that I'm gassed. Like I'm gassed talking about this team. I'm sure you guys following this team are gassed. I was talking to several, you know, colleagues at CubsInsider.com. They're gassed as well because the emotions are so high. They are so low on a daily basis, right? Like imagine where you were after Friday's game. After Friday's game, the Cubs blew out Milwaukee. The Cardinals, of course, got postponed, had two doubleheaders and off a three-game sweep in New York. All of a sudden, you're looking at a Saturday where you could, in theory, take back the first place in the division. And now, they lose that game by getting shut out on Saturday. They lose Sunday's game by getting shut out. The offense looks anemic. And then you have Darvish being scratched. You have Javi leading, uh, leaving the game. And it's a seesaw, right? Like It's hard to come and record these podcasts and write about this team without sounding dramatic and over-emotional, but that's just the way this team has played recently. It's hard to stay even keel at times, and at this point, because of that, like I feel exhausted watching this team. My confidence in this team, it has, I, I think it does shift. It does shift on a daily basis. I, I know that's really difficult to say for a lot of people, but like, yeah, it does. Going into tomorrow's game against uh, Seattle, like I do feel less confident just because you now have Javi dealing with a thumb injury. You have Darvish dealing with forearm tightness and Rizzo coming back with his back injury and Chris Bryant, his last 70 plate appearances, has a uh, weighted on base average under 300. And so I'm at a loss of what to expect. I I'm under the mentality, though, that because seven of the re- of the last 10 games of the season are against the St. Louis Cardinals, that's more or less like a seven-game series to determine the division, to determine the National League Central. And so if the Cubs can get to that point of the season, and they're one game back, two games back, maybe even three games back, that might be a scenario where the Cubs can take the Cardinals by storm, get hot, get healthy, get Chris Bryant back to producing, get Rizzo's back healthy, get Javi Baez producing on a consistent basis with that thumb injury being no big deal, having a deep bench, Joe Maddock can play the matchups out of his bullpen because he has a deeper bullpen. And I think that does serve the Cubs better than a St. Louis Cardinals team. And with the Cardinals having two straight doubleheaders on Saturday and Sunday, they too are going to be a little bit, well, I hope a little bit gassed going into the last few weeks of the season, where we know what that that toll, we know the toll it had on the Cubs in 2018, where they were playing, I, I don't remember the number, but what it was, what was it, like 40 games in like as many days, an insane amount, right? 
So that's kind of my thinking at this point is stay afloat. The time where you thought the Cubs would run away with the division, that passed a few weeks ago. <laughs> but the, the point that you thought these last seven games against the Cardinals would not mean as much, that time has passed as well. Those seven games are going to be crucial. The playoffs for the Cubs are going to start a week and a half earlier than the rest of Major League Baseball. They're going to have to go into those Cardinal series and plow over them, take that division, and hopefully bypass that wild card spot. So that's where I am. I, I think that gives me some ease of mind, but I, I totally get all the frustration, all the anger that I see and I read around uh, Cubs Twitter. Like I get people are calling for Joe Madden not to return at this point. I, I get that. People are calling for a huge shakeup. We're talking about trading guys like Kyle Schwarber and Albert Amora and maybe some other guys are not comfortable with Ian Happ. Chris Bryant's name has been in trade rumors. Crazy to think about, but Jeff Passan did report about that. That I still don't believe that's going to happen. But these are the topics that are now surfacing up because the Cubs have not played up to their potential. And I get you can be frustrated with all of that, but stay it's like for me, and maybe this helps you guys, but like stay in the moment a game-by-game basis, get to those last seven games, and you hope and you pray that when the Cubs are at their best, which we've seen only a handful of times this year, you know they can be any team. You, you just know that. When Craig Kimbrell is at his best, blowing by batters, 98, 99-mile-per-hour fastballs, he's one of the best closers in the league. When Yu Darvish is on point, he's one of the best starters in the league. When Schwarber, Baez, Rizzo, KB are at their peak. That is one of the toughest middle of the orders in the league. When Ben Zobrist, when other guys step up as well, maybe even Ian Happ, when you have two guys who display that type of patience, all of a sudden you have one of the most patient leadoff hitters in the league. Now you have the bench to supplement the team. Now you have the bullpen to supplement uh, Craig Kimbrell and that rotation. And now you have that rotation who's been pretty consistent most of the year. That is a lethal combination that could come into effect in the last two weeks of the season. But at the same time, I I do question whether or not the bench will be used in an optimal way, at least how we as fans see it. In that last game against Milwaukee, you have Jonathan Lucroy batting fifth. You have Albert Almora Jr. batting sixth. Okay, like in, in a crazy world, I would have never expected that. And those two guys in particular are batting over Ian Happ, who is batting eighth. So again, Ian Happ has a 331 weighted on base average right now. His WRC plus is right at 100. He's a league average hitter. Almora and Lucroy are two of the worst hitters in the league this year. This year, bottom 1% of baseball in terms of run creation. And they're batting fifth and they're batting sixth. That can't happen. I just can't. I, like I, I don't necessarily care about the matchups at this point because Ian Happ, the previous data that's been collected against Happ in 2017 and 2018, that's kind of out the window at this point. You got to see what the the new trends look with his new adjustments. I don't think there's any confident decision of where to bat Ian Happ, but I don't think there's enough justification to bat him that low 
in favor of Jonathan Lucroy and Albert Amora Jr. And it's weird too, because you just saw Ian Happ bat leadoff in that Friday game and have success. Like he got the ball going right away. Leadoff double to start that game. Castellanos comes through and knocks him with that home run. But with Ian Happ, he's made the adjustments you wanted to see. He's making more contact. Again, over 71% contact. Most of those improvements against pitches inside the strike zone, which is what you want to see. And he's still showing that really patient approach. Not as patient as his rate last year. Last year, his outside the zone swing rate was 27%. This year right now, it's 32%. But, you know, it's only around 90 plate appearances. And I think the eye test when we watch him take his at-bats, he looks like he's laying off pitches that he should be laying off and capable of taking walks. And even on the year, his walk rate is still pretty good, right? I mean, it's at 12% right now. So I don't understand the logic here when we're batting him leadoff Friday and that you have to imagine the matchup is pretty favorable for Ian Happ. And then two days later, you just expanded rosters and you have Albert Almora batting above him, having Addison Russell batting above Ian Happ, having Jonathan Lucroy, a catcher who was DFA'd by a team mostly out of contention, that being the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, DFAing their catcher and the cause picking them up to be their third catcher on their depth chart once Wilson comes back. He's batting fifth in a pennant race, in a pennant race, in arguably the most important weekend of the year thus far. I, I just don't understand that, guys. And again, I'm at the point where I'm not really that angry about this decision. Uh, we're kind of nitpicking just because a team as a whole has not played well. But the Cubs have zero margin for error right now. And we saw that's what happened in that Milwaukee series. I don't think they played that bad, to be honest with you. I know they got shut out in the last two games. But in Saturday's game in particular, if you were watching it and you noticed that they were getting kind of screwed, that that lined up with the data. Okay, so they had, what is this, seven batted balls greater than 93 miles per hour hit. Seven. All of them were outs. And in Sunday's game, what happened in one of those innings, Javi Baez leads off the inning with a walk. Castellanos comes up, hits a laser. The first base gets doubled off. And the Cubs went on to basically not have any more chances the rest of the game. So the Cubs at times still hit the ball. I don't think that Saturday game was worthy of a shutout. And Sunday's game, they had their opportunities. They got screwed at some points. I don't think both games deserved a shutout necessarily. But you got to put damage into your own hands. So what's the alternative? The alternative is, okay, we well, got to hit for power. You got to hit the ball over the fence. And teams like the Dodgers, like the Astros, like the Yankees, they know they can do that. And the Cubs right now, they're, they have no margin for error. Like if they're not going to go out there and have that power, if they're going to lose their power bats with, you know, KB slumping or Rizzo going through a dry spell and him going to the, to the bench with a, with a bad back. There's no margin for error. And so even though they're not playing necessarily that poorly, when they're not playing optimally, then they're going to lose these games. And that's exactly what happened. Okay, so let's preview this upcoming two-game set against the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners will come to Wrigley Field for a two-game set, the first of which starts on Monday at 1.20 p.m. Central. Justice Sheffield will take the mound for the Mariners. He is 0-1 with a 7.94 ERA on the year. 
will be facing Kyle Hendricks for the Cubs, who's 9-9 with a 3.47 ERA on Tuesday. The Cubs have yet to announce a starter, but for the Mariners, we have King Felix Hernandez taking the mound. Hernandez not having a good year this year, riddled by injuries at times. He is 1-4 with a 6.02 ERA. Mariners out of contention for the playoffs already. They are 58-80. and The Cubs are 73-63 and as it stands right now. They could either be four games back or three games back of the Cardinals pending the Cardinals' last game on Sunday. At the moment right now, it's 2-2. Two and two. Uh, The Reds and Cardinals tied in the third inning. We'll see what happens there. I can't believe we're doing this. Unbelievable that they could be four games back. The Cardinals will be facing the Giants early on in the week and then finish off with another series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So what I'm looking for for the Cubs, this, again, two-game series before they go on to Milwaukee for a four-game set. I think the the major trends to watch is how they use Ben Zobris. For me, put him in there, second base, lead off right away on Monday. That's kind of what I'm looking for. And then with Javi Baez, he will not be playing Monday. Hopefully, he comes back on Tuesday. If there's any signs or good signs that he played a few more innings after injuring that thumb, maybe it swelled up. Maybe it just was beyond the point of even wanting to play for Javi, but Hopefully he comes back on Tuesday healthy. Uh, Rizzo had a planned off day on Sunday, but the context of that Sunday game made him go in late in the sixth inning and play the remainder of that game. Not sure what that means for Monday's game. Maybe he gets another game off, but maybe the Cubs were like, you know what? Get him in there. No more margin for error. We can't be doing this. And so maybe he will play on Monday as well. Uh, Other things to watch, the bullpen. We saw Kyle Ryan, Brandon Kinsler, Craig Kimbrell, uh, get a lot of usage against the Brewers. And then with Craig Campbell in that last game, little off. He was throwing 95, 96, 97. But the velocity was trending upwards before that last game. And then against Christian Yelich, count got full, hung a breaking ball, boom, three-run home run for Craig Campbell. So you want to see him at least rebound pretty quickly. No concerns about Campbell, but you know the bullpen as a whole right now, at least the late-inning guys, have been used pretty exhaustively. And Stieschek came back in once again, looked pretty good. Second straight outing without giving up runs. Good to see from Steve. They do, again, have uh, Dwayne Underwood, Alc Mills, and Brad Wick up with this team. So in worst case scenario, those guys can get late inning uh, relief opportunities. Dwayne Underwood's a guy who throws 93, 94, 95, 96. Good off-speed pitch. Could be good for a late inning roll. Give him the chance. Then same thing with Brad Wick, again, with that almost 18K per nine and the ability to, to miss bats. So I think the bullpen's still in pretty good shape, but again, just something to monitor given how often they've been used recently. We'll also hear news, hopefully, about you, Darvish, after tomorrow. We'll see how he feels. He's on track to start Saturday in Milwaukee. Um, I don't expect anything bad to happen, but again, with forearm tightness, you just never know. Then there's that second base position. We saw Russell occupy that for several games. Tony Kemp actually was playing second base as well. I think at this point, the most likely option is is to give Zobris the, the reins right away. See how willing he is to play on an everyday basis. See how willing he is to play even at leadoff. Look, he's going to do everything he can for the team, but it's more like, hey, can your body hold up? an everyday role when you have not been playing baseball consistently for almost one full calendar year. So I like to see Zobris get those opportunities. Realistically, I just 
don't see that happening with six guys being options at second base. I think the way it goes right now is it goes Zobrist, it goes Russell. I guys, I cannot see Daniel Descalso in, in this lineup. I hope he's not the third guy in that role, but it wouldn't surprise. I hate to say this, but it just would not surprise me because you know the ankle injury deflated his production. It's almost perfectly in line with the, his ankle injury. The moment he got hurt, the production went down that same day throughout the rest of the season. So for me, I don't really want to see them experiment just because we're beyond that point. Like even giving Duscalso two or three starts in a row, I, I just, I can't see that. We're beyond the experimental process. And at this point, you just got to give those opportunities to the guys who deserve it the most. And with these matchups too, the Schwarber stuff in the past week has been kind of irritating, especially, and we could, we didn't talk about it, but that last game against the New York Mets with Tony Kemp playing left field in favor of Kyle Schwarber, I hated that. And I know some of the data is going to suggest that playing Schwarber in these situations does not make sense. And I, I, I get that. And I know at this point, like you want to make the most calculated decisions possible but where I'm at is those data, those scouting reports, the majority of which are assessed beyond these adjustments that Schwarber has made. And we know what he's doing. He's going to the opposite field with greater frequency. We said this in the last podcast, but he's going to the opposite field 10 percentage points greater recently than the entire season right now. And I think because of that approach, the data against Schwarber is not as relevant. The context has changed. So to put him on the bench because pitchers are better against Schwarber, against a different version of Schwarber, that doesn't make sense to me. Unless there's an an optimal, obvious replacement for Schwarber, then yeah, okay, go ahead and do that. But when you're looking at Tony Kemp to be playing ahead of Schwarber, or even some of these other guys, maybe we'll even see at some points... Zobrist out there in favor of Schwarber, or even Ian Happ in favor of Schwarber. God forbid, Albert O'Moore in favor of Albert, uh, in favor of Kyle Schwarber. But I still think it's there's no right answer right now. But because there's no right answer, the one guy who looks to be playing the best, who looks to be making changes, who looks to be making successful changes and feeling it, is Kyle Schwarber. So I don't see how putting him on the bench makes the most sense right now. And I'm not saying it's the obvious solution to play Schwarber every day. But at this point, it makes, I think, more sense than benching him in favor of Tony Kemp, in favor of the other guys I just listed. That's that's just how I feel. I get there's there's going to be different sides of the argument. I get the data against most of the sample size Schwarber might be convincing. It's just I'm not there. I'm not I'm not buying it right now. So in a perfect world, the lineup against Monday, this is what I want. And I kind of want this, you know, the next two games too, if, if possible. Zobris leading off, followed by Nick Castellanos batting second, Riz in the third spot, KB cleanup, Javi fifth, Schwarber sixth, Caratini seventh, half eighth, and then the pitcher spot. Like to me, the, those are the best options right now. And then once Contreras comes back, you put Contreras in that mix somewhere, but Having Zobris getting that opportunity right away, even if the bat-to-ball skills are not there, you know the plate approach is going to be professional. 
when Zobris is not playing, I still want to see Hap get the majority of the time. So let's say if let's say Zobris does not play, move on Hap to the leadoff spot, and then let's say you know Russell is batting that day at second base, move him down to the eighth spot. But at this point, like I don't want to see any other types of you know Jason Hayward leadoff lineups out there right now. All for his last twenty one, going through an adjustment phase. The the last hundred plus paid appear, appearances, WRC plus un, under seventy. That cannot be at the leadoff spot, cannot be setting the table right now. And maybe even Hayward at leadoff has made his numbers worse. He has been quoted as Sean Holland, friend of the podcast. Sean Holland has pointed out several years ago that Hayward said he changed his approach in Atlanta when batting leadoff. And he wasn't necessarily a big fan of himself batting leadoff. He know he'll do anything to help the team, but maybe some guys, they do change their mindset Maybe it's a subconscious thing and they can't get beyond that. But the numbers for Hayward at leadoff this year, not good. It's got to end like immediately, like right now over it. So Zobaris and Hap make the most sense for those options right now. And I want to see that going forward in the next week. That's all I have for you guys. So this is a short one, a 40-minute episode. Corey will be back after Tuesday night's game. uh, He and I will be talking about everything. Hopefully we're in a better mood than we are right now. But I wanted to lay the ground with all these roster expansions. Um, wanted to talk about some lineup issues. Wanted to talk about Ian Happ, Ben Zobris's return, Hugh Darvish's injury, Javi Baez's injury. So there was a lot to talk about, a lot going on. Talk about, of course, our feelings about where we are in the season. Uh, I, I, I I empathize with you guys. It's This is tough to watch. It really is. I'm almost looking forward to the offseason at this point just because Especially in August, this has been an emotional roller coaster following this team. Regardless, Corey and I, we will always be there to talk baseball with you guys. You can always follow me at Cubs Related. Follow uh, Corey at CF Cubs Related on Twitter. Follow our social media accounts in addition to Twitter's like Instagram at Cubs underscore related. You can follow us on Facebook at Cubs Related. And then, of course, our Cubs Insider accounts on Twitter at Real Cubs Insider. Facebook as well, Instagram as well. And you can interact with us whenever you want, you know, throw your emotions to us. I don't care. I always love talking about the Cubs with you guys, no matter if they're heated discussions or, you know, you just want to vent to some degree. We will always be there. And if you can, please leave a five-star review on, uh, what is this, Apple now. They changed from iTunes to Apple. I'm still trying to understand that process, but... Go ahead and please leave a five-star review on Apple. It does help us get more exposure. What it does is when people search for Cubs Podcasts, we come up um, on the first page of Google, which does help us. And I got to say, a lot of the comments you guys write are like beyond humbling. I don't know, like Corey and I will talk about this and be like, how do people actually say those nice things about us? But we really do appreciate that, guys. And so we will talk to you again on Tuesday night. Corey will be back. As always, whether they are killing us, whether they're making us depressed, whether they are, are exhausting us. Go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Xfinity X1 gives you the most complete entertainment experience with everything from live TV to your DVR to on-demand favorites and your streaming apps. Just use your voice remote to easily find what you want to watch. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. 
or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Our homes today are like little cities full of different internetic boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.